Mark chapter number 3. I appreciate the presence of God. And this morning, uh, the Lord laid this message on my heart. And I pray it'll be a help to us. Uh, Mark chapter number 3. And again, I, I want to thank all of our visitors. Thank you for being in the service with us this morning. And we hope the Lord helps you and that you get what you need this morning. And again, let's pray for the service tonight. But let's pray uh, for the message now. Mark chapter number 3 and verse number 31. The Bible said, There came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. Father, I want to thank you this morning for your presence here this morning, for what you've already done in this place. Lord, for the singing, the testimonies, the Sunday school hour, the opportunity to give and the offering this morning. Thank you for our members. Thank you for all of our visitors here today. Lord, we just ask you now if you would help us. I pray you'd give us liberty. And Lord, give us the wisdom to say only what you would have us to say. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want you to notice with me in verse number 31, I want you to notice the mother in this verse. The Bible said, then came his brethren and his mother. Now when you think about his mother, she had made about a 30 mile trip to come and to visit Jesus. And we know the story, we've read here that she's come out of deep concern and, and Mary, don't, no doubt in this text here, uh, she has the right motive, but we'll see that she has the wrong purpose. And it proves that a person can be sincere and still be sincerely wrong. Amen? And so we see his mother. In fact, this is the only one of the four times that uh, that she requested something of Jesus uh, in the Gospels that it was not granted. And so we notice the mother in our text. And then we see the multitude. Look at verse number 32. The Bible says that the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. So they give this message to Christ as he is ministering unto them. Uh, they relay the message that your mother and your brethren are standing on the outskirts and they're waiting for you and they have, they're calling for you. And so we see the multitude. We see the mother. But now let's notice the master in verse number 33. Look what Jesus says as he answered them and said, Who is my mother or my brethren? Now, I want to tell you, Christ knew well who his earthly mother was and he knew well who his earthly brethren was. Uh, when you think about Jesus and his mother, uh, Jesus had great compassion on his mother and he loved Mary, no doubt, uh, for the role that she had played in his life. Uh, in fact, when Christ was even on the cross, uh, in his hour of agony, and his hour of death, uh, he did not forget his mother, but he provided for his mother as he got ready to leave this world. And so we notice the master. But look at this moment in verse number 34. Jesus looks around about on them which said about him and he says behold my mother and my brethren. I mean that is an unusual statement in and of itself when you think here is his mother and his brethren standing on the outside and Jesus asks the question who is my mother? Who is my brethren? And then he looks on the crowd and he says behold my mother and my brethren. You say why would Christ do such a thing? Well if you look at verse number 35 you'll notice the message here. 
that Jesus is leading up to a sermon. He's leading up to a message in verse 35. He said, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. You know what's interesting about verse 35? Is that he does not say is my father. Amen? Because Christ only had one father. Isn't that right? And you and I only have one father. We have a heavenly father. Amen? But Jesus says when it comes to the will of God, he says the same that does the will of God is my mother, my sister, and my brethren. Now verse 35 is a very interesting verse. For in this one verse, if you study it carefully, you see the Son of God. For it is the words of Christ. You see the the Word of God. For it is the Word of God. We see the, the will of God. As he says, shall do the will of God. We see the servant of God. As he said, for whosoever will. But then we see the family of God. As he said, the same is my sister, my mother, and my brethren. So I think the question before us this morning is what is Christ really trying to say? What does all this mean in its context this morning? Here is what Jesus is saying in verse 35. Is that our commitment to the will of God ought to be greater than our commitment to man. Isn't that right? I'm telling you when it comes to doing God's will and when it comes to doing man's will, our commitment ought to supersede to God before it does mankind. Amen. And in this text here, Jesus is not going to let anyone deter him from doing the will of God. He is not going to let his family. He is not going to let his friends. Uh, he is not going to let fatigue. Uh, He's not going to let his foes. Uh, you say, why do you mention that? Well, his foes had attacked him. If you look at verse number 21, and when his friends heard of it, here's his friends, uh, uh, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said he is beside himself. Uh, so we notice what his friends are saying. But look at the next verse, verse number 22. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, here's his foes, uh, he hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. Uh, and so when you look where Jesus is at, you see the reason why his mother made this journey with his brethren, uh, because no doubt uh, his friends are saying he's mad, uh, his foes are saying he's full of a devil, but Jesus is determined uh, that no matter what others say or what others think about him, he is going to do the will of God, Amen. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject, on no turning back, no turning back this morning. I know it's Christmas season, Christmas time, and maybe you was expecting a Christmas sermon, and if I had one, I'd preach it if it was the will of God. But I know this is the will of God to preach this morning because we're going to sail right on through Christmas season, and we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ, and we're going to have revival at the same time. Amen? I'm telling you, friend, we're going to close the old year out strong, and by the grace of God, enter the new year strong because we're living in a time when people are throwing in the towel and they're quitting on God and they're changing course and they're backing up and they're giving in and they're following a different direction but Jesus made his mind up family's not going to deter me friends are not going to deter me my foes are not going to deter me I'm going to keep on doing the will of God he was determined there was no turning back hallelujah 
I'm going to tell you, if you live for God in 2024, that's how you'll have to do it. Y'all still with me this morning? You're not gonna you're not gonna live for God if you've got uh, one if you're straddling the fence this morning. Can I get a witness right there? You're not going to live for God if you're uncommitted this morning. You're not going to live for God if you got a bag of excuses uh, as to why you can't do this and can't do that for God. I'm going to tell you, people in this country, they do whatever they want to. Amen. Uh, uh, we've got too much liberty and freedom uh, uh, when it comes to the things of God. Uh, oftentimes, uh, uh, people are not serving God uh, simply because they don't have a heart to serve God. I want to ask you this morning. Are you going to turn back in 2024? Are you going to turn back before we get to the first of the year? You see, you can't let what family says. Thank God for family. But your commitment to God has got to be greater than your commitment to your family. I want to go to church with my family just like you want to go to church with your family. But God doesn't anywhere. There's nowhere in this Bible where God says that you go to church with your family, that that's the will of God. Now, I'm telling you, if God's blessed you to be in this church with your family, you ought to thank God for it. But if one of your family blows up or blows out or goes a different direction God's not calling you to go with them. Can I get an amen right there? Now you might go with them but you'll never convince me that's the will of God. I'm telling you friend, God don't move us around in caravans. Listen when you get married you're to leave your father and mother and you're to cleave to your wife and God gives you a family and you're to serve God as individuals and you're to serve God as family. I'm telling you if they compromise if they quit, if they get out of church you're to keep on keeping on for the glory of God and when people follow their family all they prove is that they were more committed to them than the will of God sure is quiet in here this morning but I got about 40 minutes of preaching in me so hang on and then what about friends when friends leave sometimes others say well I think I ought to just go you got to be careful who your friends are The Bible says that evil communications corrupt good manners. You can start out doing right and living for God and doing what's right. I'll tell you, let somebody start pouring garbage and gossip and trash in your ear and negativity. If you're not careful what it will do, it'll change your thinking. It'll change your habits. It'll change your attitude. It'll change your mindset. You'll start looking at things in a different light in a different way. And all of a sudden, guess what? You'll get out of church. You'll get out of the will of God. I've seen people, listen, influence people in the wrong way and them still stay and the others blow out somewheres down the road. I'll tell you you're going to answer the judgment seat of Christ for that uh, if you make it to the judgment seat of Christ uh, you'll give an account uh, uh, for saying for for, for deterring somebody in the wrong direction uh, uh, but thank God for friendships uh, uh, but don't you build a bond so deep with somebody down here uh, uh, that you're more loyal to them than you are what God's will is. Uh, more loyal to them. Hey, hey even in the church uh, uh, you thank God for church members but don't you build a bond so great that their decision has anything to do with your decision can I get an amen right there brother I'm telling you listen we don't know what we're facing in days to come but I think we are facing a time when it's going to separate who wants to live for God and who really don't amen 
I'm telling you, listen, I thank God that my family's here this morning and they feel exactly the same way that I feel about it this morning. God may lead them in different directions and they may go through different avenues and we may not all be able to be in church together all the time, but thank God we're just going to keep on serving Jesus. Amen. I thank God for good friends in the ministry, but some of them have fallen off into sin. Some of them have changed a different course and when they change, they want to tell you their side, but we're not budging. Amen. And I've had to say more than one time, I love you in the Lord. I want to continue to pray for you, but I'm just not going that way. I'm never by the grace of God going that way. I wish you wouldn't go that way, but you're going to make your choice and we're going to make ours and we're going to keep on hoeing the same row. Hallelujah. Isn't that right this morning? You can't let friends. You can't let friends. I've seen it in church. That's why you don't need BFFs. Y'all still with me? Big fat folks, you don't need them. Them BFFs, you know, you, you don't need them. And you know, no, no, listen, that's what fellowship, fellowship keeps everybody the same. I got to move on. But I'm telling you this morning, Jesus would not let the brethren determine the will of God for his life. Amen. Don't have a friend so close that they decide who your other friends are. Amen. Don't build a bond so deep that everything they do, you think it's just, you know, peaches and cream. Don't build a bond so deep that, that you're so influenced that, 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 that you're more influenced by what they do than God's will for your life. Trying to move on. Jesus, no turning back. He wouldn't let fame. He wouldn't let fortune. He wouldn't let fear of what people said or what they thought about him. I'm going to tell you something. Serving God, many times it comes down to raw determination. You just have to let the chips fall where they are. I don't think anybody would think that I'm being mean or malicious this morning. But you know, when it comes to preaching, you just got to divorce yourself from public opinion and preach what God tells you to and then go home and eat fried chicken and just enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Can I get an amen? Somebody else may go home and choke on a chicken bone but I don't plan on doing it this afternoon amen I'm just telling you friend thank God for preaching that's kept us in the right way that's kept us in the right path I'm telling you sometimes it may be hard to swallow but you just go ahead and open your mouth wide and let God feel it it'll strengthen your soul it'll keep you in the right way it'll keep you going when nothing else will hallelujah I'm saying this morning, it's what kept me on the right path down through these years. I thank God for men of God that didn't apologize, didn't water it down, didn't back up. We're not going to leave a stone unturned. I'm telling you, friend, we're going to keep on plowing. I just feel it in my soul. If we're ever been in an hour when men of God need to plow, they need to plow right now. Amen. There's going to be a crowd that can't handle it. But if you'll hang in there, God will help you. Amen. Hang in here. He'll help you, won't he? And this morning, what would it take? What would it take to get you to turn back? Would it be your family, a son, a daughter, a spouse? I've had people say to me before, preacher, I'd like to stay, but I'm married to him or I'm married to her. We love it here, but we have to live with them. Amen. 
What's it going to take this morning? Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem like a flint. There wasn't nobody deterring him from God's will. <coughs> Even when Peter, who loved Jesus, said, Be it far from thee, Lord. He said, Get thee behind me, Satan. And this morning in our text, I want you to look at the, in verse number 33, I want you to notice the comment that Jesus makes. Who is my mother or my brethren? When you think about this comment that Jesus made, Lord, your, your mother and your brethren, they're on the outside, they're calling, they're seeking, and Jesus makes a comment, who is my mother or my brethren? Notice it's a pointed comment. Uh, Jesus very directly takes what they says and turns it around on them. It's a very personal comment because Jesus is talking about his mother. He's talking about his brethren. But he says, who is my mother? You know, that's what I like about the Lord. He makes things very pointed and very personal. Amen. But he also, he also makes them very practical. You see, this morning, God didn't send us here to this church to, to just sit around and play church this morning. Now, it might look like it, but we're not. I hit all those light, turned all those lights on, them, them blue lights came on. I said, well, might all leave them off this morning. You say, why? Because there'll be some funny dud out there that you don't tell them what they'll say about us. But they're for a play, and I thank God for them. Hadn't they been a help, amen? Been a blessing. But there's people always, there's always a critic somewhere looking for something. And Jesus, he takes the sermon, and he makes it, it, it pointed, he makes it personal, he makes it practical, he takes what they say, and can I just put it this way? He puts it right back in their face. You know, that's the kind of preaching we need. We don't need somebody to get up and just tippy-toe through the roses. We don't need somebody to get up and just kind of be diplomatic. No, we need somebody to take the Bible and be dogmatic. And it's what preaching is. It's fundamental. Preaching is, is absolute. Preaching is confrontational. And that's why it helps our soul. It's because when we come, there's no question about it. It's the Word of God. It's thus saith the Lord. It's what is. It doesn't mean that the sermon, that, that, I, that I take the sermon and that I try to, to, to make it fit my life. No, I'm to take my life and make it fit the sermon. Amen. If anybody's going to be out of place, it sure don't need to be the message. It don't need to be the messenger, but it needs to be us as we hear the sermon. We need to find those parts. We need the Holy Spirit to point out things in our life and say, that's where you're wrong. This is where you need to get right. Hey, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. We live in a day when people, not all by no means, but some, they want to go to a church where there's no demands, there's no commitment. There's no condemnation. I, I'm be honest with you. I live in the same fleshly body today that I lived in 35 years ago. And this stuff ain't no better today than it was then. And I don't need to go to a church, Brother Brian, and sit on a pew where somebody strokes my ego and pats me on the head and tells me how wonderful I am all day long. Now don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I don't like to, I don't like it when, when, when I don't like it when my hide gets busted. But it sure needs it. I thank God, though I don't remember, I thank God for every time this morning that the Holy Spirit took that finger and said, right there, son. 
That's where you're wrong. And can I tell you something tonight or this morning? He's still doing that in my life. It hadn't stopped. There's not a sermon. Hardly I preached behind this pulpit that what God had not. I've read it and studied it and I said, oh, Lord, help me right here. Lord Jesus, help me right there. Guilty as charged. Is that right this morning? You see, we get in bad shape when we feel like we don't never need to use this altar. And I'm not trying to get you to come this morning. In fact, I'll go ahead and tell you, I don't even want you to come unless the Holy Spirit tells you to come. I don't care if there's two people in this altar. Now, if, if more need to be, you know what I'm saying. But from my standpoint, I'm doing God's will right now. When the invitation is given, you're to do God's will. And, and, and it doesn't make no difference to me if two people's in this altar or if the whole crowd's in this altar, whatever God's will is. But I'll tell you, you get in trouble when you get to the place where you say, I don't, I don't really need that no more. It's been a long time since I've come down here. Might be why you're cold and indifferent. Might be why you get critical. It's good for me to be broken. Brother Green, I'm not elevating this ungodly flesh. Don't misunderstand. But one of them two great sermons he preached last Sunday. Now I'm going to tell you when he preached those messages, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart before the invitation was ever given and said, I want you to go to the altar and pray. That's a good thing. That God, that we can still hear His voice. You know, saints seem like they're as afraid in a lot of churches of the altar as sinners are. But the reason our churches are lacking revival is because they don't come like they used to. The comment was very pointed, personal, practical. That's the way preaching needs to be. Then notice the confusion. Look at verse 34. And he looked round about on them which sat about him, and he said, Behold... My mother and my brethren. They were confused because of, of who he saw. He looked round about on them, the Bible said, that, that said about him, the multitude. They were confused because of what he said. He said, behold, my, my mother and my brethren. I think the question is, Lord, why would you confuse this crowd? He's just trying to bring them to a point where they'll stop and think. Uh, he is using what is before him and what is before them to provoke their thought. Uh, it's a seen thought to get them to think about who really is his mother? Who really is his brethren? Because you have to remember, Jesus wasn't just on an earthly level. He was on a spiritual level. Amen? He was man, but he was the God man. And Jesus, my friend, brings the sermon down. He's bringing them to a point where they will think about what's before them. You know what the devil does in a lot of our church services? He uses the tool of distraction so that we won't hear the voice of God. I mean, I don't have my cell phone with me this morning. But that's what that thing is in church. You're better off to leave it in the car. I understand if you've got somebody at home sick and something like that. I'm not talking about that. But I'm telling you, it's a tool of distraction. You'd be surprised what people do sitting in church. 
And used to, we preached against passing notes and, and writing out your grocery list and figuring your bowling average. Amen. Don't you wish that's all people did in church anymore to distract them? A piece of pen and paper. I'm telling you now, hey, watch football and baseball and basketball and in church and, and racing and everything else you can think of. I'm telling you now, they sit in church and text other people all the while God's trying to speak to them. They're talking to somebody else. Look up here. I'm just telling you how it is. Amen. I'm telling your friend they'll sit around and they got more things to do sitting in a pew I'm telling you all the while what's happening is the Holy Ghost of God's trying to get the church's attention he's trying to wake us up out of our little niche our little comfort zone he's trying to bring us to the point that'll provoke a spiritual thought in our minds a lot of people sitting in church are more interested in being entertained than they are being preached to This morning, I want to hear from God, don't you? The commitment, the confusion. But I like this in verse 35, the clarification. The Lord will never leave you with more questions than answers. And Jesus, we see the scope of how he clarifies this message. The scope of it is whosoever. We see the simplicity of it is shall do the will of God. I want to ask you a question this morning, and you don't have to answer it. I just want to ask it. What is the will of God? I thought about that when I read that verse. What is the will of God for every single person that would make them his mother, his sister, his brother? Those are, those are family relation ties, aren't they? 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7 says, Who will have all men to be saved? And come to the knowledge of the truth. The will of God is that everyone be saved. And when you get saved, you become a part of the family of God. I know there's a will of God in service, but there's a will of God in salvation. You've got to be saved before you can serve. And if you've been saved, thank God, you are his brethren. You are his, his sister. You are his, his, his mother. There's a relation time. That's the will of God. You must be born again. You see, if you're not saved this morning, you have not done the will of God who will have all the men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. For many shall say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, cast out devils, and done many wonderful works and he said then will I profess and say unto them depart from me ye that, that work iniquity for I never knew you listen in that same context those that are saved are those that do the will of God and the will of God is that you accept Christ as your savior this morning that's the clarification the simplicity and notice the, the steadfastness of it look what he said I like these two words I circled them the same The same, the same is my brethren, my sister, and my mother. Now here's what Jesus says. He said, when you get saved, you're all the same. Hey, guess what? Every person in this building today that's saved, we're all the same. We got washed in the same blood. We got born of the same spirit. We put faith in the same book. We're going to the same place. Amen. We've got the same promises. We've been sealed with the same spirit. 
And this morning, you listen, you may have been saved longer than somebody else or somebody else may have been saved longer than you, but we're all the same this morning when it comes to the family. I'm not talking about, there may be levels of growth and levels of faith. We understand that. I'll tell you, when it comes to the will of God, when it comes to relationship with Christ, uh, we're all the same. If you've been saved, you got saved the same way I got saved. I got saved the same way you got saved. Uh, Any man that tries to come up another way, Jesus said, the same as a thief and a robber. Uh, It's just one way to the pearly gate, uh, the way called life and the way is straight. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, if you get in, you'll get in through the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and the shed blood of Calvary and it sure does feel good. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. I'm glad red, yellow, black or white they're all precious in his sight. You can come rich. You can come poor. You can come broken. You can come educated or uneducated. It's all the same. Hallelujah. He'll save you the same as he saved somebody else. And if you got saved, you got saved the same way. So I wasn't a drunk and I didn't get out in sin and all the things that happened to them. The night they got saved didn't happen to me. Oh, yes, it did. Amen. You went down a sinner just like they did. You came up justified like they did. You may not have the same works of the flesh, but you got the same birth. You got the same promises. You got the same hope. You got the same home. I'm glad it's the same. Hallelujah. It's the same. This morning... I want to say this in closing. What if Jesus would have turned back? You ever thought about that? Now, he wouldn't have because he's God. And he couldn't have sinned because he's God. But what what would have happened had Jesus turned back? I'm going to tell you what would have happened. Number one, he would have disobeyed the word of God. Now, we know he could not have done that. But that's what it would have been. Number two, it would have hindered others from doing the will of God. And number three, it would have gave his critics ammunition to say, well, see there, I told you he was crazy. I told you he was full of the devil. All it took was his mama showing up. All it took was his brethren coming. Just a little pressure. He wasn't of God because he gave in. Had he turned back, and I wonder, here's the real question. Say, Brother Gravely, I'm saved. That's wonderful. But what would happen if you turned back? Same thing. You'd disobey the Word of God. Others would be hindered, and your enemies would have ammunition to just say, well, they want nothing to them. They want nothing to that. And this morning as we stand, have you decided, have you decided that you're going to follow Jesus?